0: Hi everyone, this is Darius Sulem from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers. Today we are joined by Dr. Yalda Moayedi, Assistant Professor of Neurological Sciences at Columbia University in the city of New York. Yalda is an expert in the neural basis of somatosensation and today she's answering the best questions from her recent webinar where she discussed her latest findings on tongue innervating mechanoreceptors. Let's jump in. So Yalda, the first question that I have for you. How do the functional categories of mechanoreceptors in the mouse tongue compare to what is known about humans?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. So we know that in humans, as well as in mice, that most of the mechanoreceptory neurons are brush sensitive and have these kinds of transient responses. And so just like in humans, we see that in mice, this, this, the same kind of distribution. And so we think that the reasoning behind this is that the tongue is constantly moving during the tasks that it performs. And so it's not, uh, so, so the uh, mechanoreceptors that are present are equipped to kind of accommodate for these different types of movements.
0: Awesome, great. Thank you. Another question for you. Do mechanoreceptors that innervate the tongue from the geniculate ganglia show similar types of responses as the trigeminal ganglia?
1: Not completely. So there has been work out from Robert Bradley's lab where they've looked at mechanoreceptor neurons and other neurons innervating the tongue from the geniculate ganglia, and what they mentioned is that these neurons are not pressure sensitive, but they are very brush sensitive, and so it might just be a subset of neurons that are similar or they might be completely different.
0: Awesome. Dominique asks, where are the mechanoreceptors responsible for the gag reflex located?
1: Yeah, so these would all be in the back of the mouth. This isn't where we're, we're uh, probing in these studies. So these have been shown to be present in both the base of the tongue and in the pharyngeal walls. But uh, to my knowledge, the identities of these neurons haven't been, I don't, haven't been found yet.
0: Okay, awesome. Looks like a, another potential topic to explore in the future for sure. Yeah, exactly. Gary asks, or he says, nice work. Do all trigeminal neurons express any or all of the following? And he lists the TRPV1 or the Nav one point eight channel. Any of those?
1: So not they, the subsets of trigeminal neurons express these, and so both TRPV1 and Nav one point one or sorry one point eight are associated with nociceptors, and so they're in populations of neurons that are nociceptive, as well as some other populations. And so the TRPV1 in particular, we've started to investigate the expression of that in the tongue, and I found interesting expression in both inside the, uh, the fungiform papilla taste buds, as well as inside of the endos of chrysa, and the uh, neurons that innervate the epithelia in filiform papilla. And so you can see some of that data in one of the resources that I uploaded our BioArch- uh, that's up on bioarchives right now.
0: Awesome. Or you talked a lot about pressure. You talked about temperature sensations. Earl asks about itch. So you probably, did you test itchy chemicals such as histamine? Or are there any conditions associated with itch on the tongue?
1: I believe there are. We haven't tested these yet. So this would definitely be a, a topic for future future discussion or future studies.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Julia asks, she's curious as to how you interpret the small proportion of force receptors. She can see how that makes sense for swallow, but what about speech proprioception? The tongue can produce more force than what is required to produce, for example. Can you comment perhaps on this?
1: Sure. So the proprioceptors of the trigeminal ganglia of the tongue, we wouldn't have actually recorded from these in our studies. These are uh, in a completely separate nucleus that's um, actually within the, the brainstem. And so in our work, we would have only we would have we would have missed these entirely if they're present. But I think one thing that we do see is that the hard palate is really densely innervated with these low-threshold mechanoreceptors, and so we that would sense pressure. And so we would expect that you know when the tongue is generating speech, it also contacts those regions, and so the hard palate regions might be more critical in generate, in forming these types of speech patterns.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Were all the mice of your studies male? And would you expect to see a, a difference due to sex?
1: They were not all males. So we tested both males and females in all of our studies. We actually do kind of sus- suspect that there may be a sex difference, but we haven't tested this directly yet. And I'm hoping to look at this more in the future. So. In mice and humans, we see that females are a little bit more sensitive to touch. And in the Merkel cell knockout, the, the only behavior that's really been published and that's associated with the glabrous skin or in hairy skin or glabrous skin is that is specific to females. And so they have a females have a, a preference for rough textures. And then this is ablated with H1 knockout, I believe.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, I guess uh, male female differences are to be expected, just as you discussed differences in age as well. Okay. We have a few more questions coming through here. Let's see here. The tongue of mice presents filiform papillae with different morphologies. Did you analyze different regions like the filiform papillae of the medial region of the tongue body and the lingual prominence? And if so, are there differences in receptors of the different regions?
1: We haven't done that yet, and this is partially due to anato- or just technical limitations of the preparation. And so in vivo, we can really only get to the anterior part of the tongue right now, so we haven't really gone back to the posterior regions, but we're hoping to kind of to figure out a way to look at this more clearly to answer this, because I would, I would expect that there would be a difference in both the mechanoreceptors that are present in those areas.
0: Awesome. Another question for you. Are motor and sensory neurons innervating the tongue somatotopically organized in the brain cortex?
1: Oh my gosh, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't, I, the tongue is somatotopically organized, but I don't know if within the tongue those regions are, are somatotopic. That's a great question.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. What is the capacity for plasticity in density of lingual mechanosensory neurons? For instance, if a behavioral intervention was used that Resulted in differences in lingual stimulation. Do you think there would be differences in density or response type post-intervention?
1: So we don't know. We don't have a good answer this, for this yet. For the oral cavity, in the skin, we can see that we see that it's with the hair cycle, its innervation changes, and especially, particularly in Merkel cells, that Merkel cell density changes across the hair cycle. But then, on a central level, this is kind of accommodated for, so we don't see like huge differences in perception. With these changes and so this is something that we'd have to look at later on or in future studies for the oral
0: cavity. In your experiments looking at the diversity of trigeminal ganglion neurons do you happen to look at whether the cell types you've identified either by function or molecular markers projected into distinct regions of the trigeminal nuclei in the brainstem? For example, did VGLUT3 plus neurons project into distinct regions of the spinal trigeminal nucleus or principal sensory nucleus?
1: Not yet, but that's an excellent question. We're really excited to to check that. So not just the spinal spinal trigeminal nucleus, but there's some evidence that these also, that trigeminal neurons innervating the oral cavity can also project at at or near the the NTS, and that they can interface with neurons that sense, or they may interface with neurons that are involved in taste sensation. And so this is something that I'm very interested in looking at
0: next. Awesome. What about changes at the time of weaning? Do you predict that there would be any changes? How would you expect individuals who only suckle and have less taste variation as a result would be different?
1: Yeah, I do expect changes. So in mice, when they're born, they're, you know this innervation is not quite yet completely developed, I would expect it, although I haven't seen any data yet to support it, that we would have different kinds of feeding style or while well, these we had these different feeding styles from suckling to weaning to you know eating soft foods to becoming an adult that eats everything or many things, <laughs> that we would have kind of differences in sensitivity and structure that might accommodate these different styles and be more tuned for the types of foods that we eat.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. Stephen asks, were there any changes in other solutions in the ATOH1 knockout mice? For example, in sugar solutions, sodium chloride solutions, bitter solutions, etc.
1: We haven't checked everything yet. We've looked at polydextrose as well. And we see that the, that they are equally as enthusiastic about drinking polydextrose in, well, in uh, control and in knockout mice.
0: Awesome. Thank you. What is your opinion on the percentage of cold responding neurons obtained with the in vivo Camp 6 f method versus cold sensitive neurons from primary cultures of TG? One study is giving, for example, 14% for cooling down to 11 degrees Celsius, which would correspond to lower temperature in vivo. And then 83% cold sensitive neurons seems high.
1: This is a great question. And it's one of the technical limitations that we have with doing GCAMP studies is that we can't see all of the neurons that are present that interview the tongue or not using these, these methods. We'd have to do some additional labeling. And so what we can see in these studies is just, sorry, not just with GCAMP, but with doing in vivo imaging. And so what we can see are just the neurons that respond to any stimulation. And so when we apply the cold. So these studies applied cold versus pressure and what you may have noticed is that the pressure responsive neurons were were not that compared to the brush were not that common and so we would basically be missing the neurons that are brush sensitive which were a significant population neurons that were that are heat sensitive etc and so when you add these up it might skew the fraction fraction a bit and so Yeah, so that's a possibility there, too. And also, since our cold flow was flowing, these could also include some mechanoreceptors. I wouldn't strictly say that these are cold-sensitive neurons.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers, just like you, answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.